those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood, will be destined for burning. They will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Well, good evening, um, everyone, and uh, happy Christmas. Let me be the first to say happy Christmas. Hope it, it may even be the first white Christmas some of us have ever had, mightn't it? Now, one of the hallmarks of our times is the proliferation of very curious phobias. And um, Maybe uh, there are some people here who don't actually like Christmas at all. And if that's you, it may be that you suffer from something called frigophobia, which is the fear of, uh, of getting cold. Um, there's also um, octophobia. I don't know whether you've ever heard of that. Octophobia, the fear of the number eight. Um, there's even something called genuphobia, which is the fear of knees. So if there's anyone here who really is, it takes offence at other people's knees, there's something for you. But I wonder if you are yet familiar with this term, nomophobia. No, it's not a fear of gnomes, although that would be a very reasonable fear. Gnomes can be pretty sinister, can't they? No, it is the fear of being without your mobile device. No mobile phobia. Also called, um, oh, getting some nodding heads there, um, also called smartphone separation anxiety. And apparently this is very much on the rise. Um, so research shows that over 50% of people in the UK actually suffer from this. Um, many people today cannot leave their mobile devices behind even when they're in the shower. Um, in the US, 20% um, of people say they would rather go without shoes for a week than go without their phone for a week. And, and I love this one. Apparently, the average teenager would rather lose their pinky than lose their phone. That's how attached we've become to our smartphones. Now, of course, there are loads of great things about them. It really is amazing, isn't it, the number of things um, that they manage to combine into such a tiny little package. But while they have their positive uses, and they have many, they also have some negative ones. Um, now, many of those are very obvious, but I want to suggest today that one of the most harmful uses is actually one that sounds completely harmless, and it's this, distraction. Distraction. Smartphones and uh, modern technology generally have put now at our fingertips a world of potentially endless distractions. You really could watch something on them for the rest of your life, even if you live to over 100. But what's the problem with this, you may ask? Well, our Christmas theme, as Paul said earlier this year, is the, that great angelic proclamation, peace on earth, peace on earth. But the striking thing is that most modern people are profoundly lacking in peace at the deepest level. You see this in the fact that most people today start to feel very uncomfortable if they're left alone for any length of time with their deepest thoughts. And in those times, we, we reach out for distractions. Distractions become our coping mechanism. And it's precisely because in those quiet, undistracted moments, it's then that we're reminded 
whether or not we have answers to the biggest questions of life. If we've got no answers, then we have no peace. And so we crave distraction. But don't just take my word for it. Here's what Woody Allen said as an atheist. He says, I firmly believe that life is meaningless. You're born, you die, you suffer. It's to no purpose, and then you're gone forever. To find a good way to cope with that, well, the best that I can offer as a filmmaker is distraction. That's all you can do. You can get up, you can be distracted by your love life, by the baseball game, by the movies. Can I get my kid into this private school? Will this girl go out with me on Saturday night? Am I going to get the promotion in my office? All this stuff. But in the end, he says, the universe burns out. The artist cannot give you a satisfying answer to his words, the dreadful reality of human existence. So the best you can do is maybe entertain people and refresh them for an hour and a half. When we don't have satisfying answers to the questions and fears that gnaw away at our souls, when we don't have peace, we desperately turn to whatever distractions we can find. But the message of Christmas is that when it comes to this search for peace, there is good news. There is an answer. The peace that we're looking for is not elusive or impossible or unattainable. No, it's within reach. The reading we just heard spoke of the promise of peace. The promise of peace. Now, first of all, I should explain the kind of peace that we're talking about here. And when our culture talks about peace, it tends to think of peace in terms of absence. So external peace, the absence of conflict. Internal peace, the absence of anxiety or fear. But the biblical definition, which is what we're talking about, is far bigger and far richer than those things. It actually comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which is actually such a big idea that it, we can't translate it in one word. That's actually impossible and because it's such a big concept. But it includes these things. Peace of mind, tranquility, deep contentment, well-being, health, prosperity, safety, Rich friendship, and of course, with those things, the absence of war. Completeness. Fulfillment at the deepest level. And above all, peace with God. And not meaning a fragile peace with God, but a secure, promise-based, secure, faithful peace with God. So while other definitions of peace are about the absence of things, or even emptiness, emptying ourselves, the biblical definition is all about fullness. It's about life at its fullest and richest. This is God's definition of peace. And this is what he wants for all of us. This is what he wants for you. You were made for peace. This kind of peace. So it's this rich, shalom peace that Christmas is all about. And the message is that it's available. It's available, but it doesn't come through politics or philosophy or some set of personal or spiritual disciplines, and certainly not through escapism and distraction. No, this peace comes in a person. The person Isaiah described 700 years before Christ as the prince of peace. And these prophecies, and we heard two of them earlier, were clear that this person would need to far surpass even the greatest political or military leaders. And we know that because of the peace um, that he is said to come and bring. Um, so in the Isaiah passage, you'll see it up on the screen. Um, verse 1, he will bring an answer to despair. No more gloom for those who were in distress. Verse 4, he would shatter all that burdens and oppresses us. Verse 2, he would bring an answer to death. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, 
as many people do, a light has dawned. And then verse 3, he would bring a unique and glorious joy. You have increased our joy. Now, no political leader has ever, ever been able to bring those things, nor any philosopher, nor any philanthropist. But the first followers of Christ were convinced that in him, the Prince of Peace had finally come. Because they actually saw these very things happen again and again when Jesus was around. See, 30 years later, this miracle child would become a miracle maker. With thousands of reports, literally thousands around the land of Israel. Saying that he was, they, they had seen him or experienced him setting people free from all sorts of oppression. Physical, mental, psychological, spiritual. They'd seen him replace despair with hope. They'd seen him turn hopeless situations around again and again and again. And one of the things that's very interesting for us today about um, the forms of oppression that Jesus railed against was that one of the main ones was the oppression of religion. See, one of the biggest misunderstandings people have today um, about Christianity is thinking that Jesus came to make us all religious. But the truth is, and read the Gospels, he's never had any interest in that. Jesus did not come to make us religious. What he came to do was to bring us back to God. Because religion is about rules. The gospel is about relationship. And he came to set us free from those forms of oppression. But it's not just then. He still does these things today. Now, there's so much that I could say on this. But for now, let me just say this. Again and again, when people explore Christianity through doing Alpha here, I hear people say, I found a peace that I've never known before. I, I've lost count of the times that I've heard someone say that. I found a peace that I've never known before. One person here described their experience as this. For 51 years, I was alone. Now I know I'm not alone. And one of the greatest burdens that I see Jesus shattering today is the burden of creating our own identity. The burden of creating our own identity. Now, as you know, the popular humanist philosophy of our culture is forever telling us that we need to create our own meaning and our own identity. And it's supposed to be liberating. But in reality, it's crippling. It leaves people with an unbelievably oppressive burden. You see, it sounds great, and it, and it can feel great to some degree, when things are going well. But when things are tough, or when things are falling apart... Well, then sustaining your own identity and your own meaning becomes an impossible task. It's that curse of Atlas, the titan from Greek mythology. He was cursed to carry the whole weight of the world on his shoulders. And when you're in the furnace of suffering, that's what the popular philosophy does to you. And it turns out to be a cruel and crushing and oppressive belief system. But Christ shatters that burden by revealing to us our true identity and calling. He says, no, we, you can't create your own identity. Only God can do that. But part of the reason we're not left to create our own identities is because we could never create an identity as good as the identity that God wants to give us. At the beginning of John's gospel, another part of the Christmas message, he says, Jesus came that we might become children of God. Children of God, that is the identity that God has always wanted to give us. That's the identity that Jesus offers to us, to become dearly loved children of the living God. And the more you understand the gospel, the more you realize that that means being loved beyond your wildest dreams. 
Jesus sets us free. He shatters our burdens, including the burden of identity. But of course, his greatest achievement that brought the greatest kind of peace was his defeat of death itself. 33 years later, he would prove his power over even death, showing that he has unique authority to offer us hope in the face of death, opening the way to a whole new kind of peace, the fullest and best kind of peace. And if you think about it, it's so different. Um, For example, from um, the peace that Christopher Hitchens, as an atheist, claimed before he died. He said this, The clear awareness of having been born into a losing struggle need not lead one into despair. I do not especially like the idea that one day I shall be tapped on the shoulder and informed not that the party is over, but that it is most assuredly going on, only henceforth in my absence. That was his understanding of peace in the face of death. But I don't know about you, but for me that would lead me to despair, not peace. To know that the party goes on in your absence is not peace. But also, it's not what you were made for. It's not what we were made for. The Bible says God has set eternity in every human heart. That reading from Isaiah said, of the increase of his peace, there will be no end. The gospel says we were made for eternal and ever-increasing peace. And so that's what Christmas holds out to us. Now, I know these things prompt a natural skepticism in our culture, and that's fine as a starting point. That's a perfectly legitimate starting point. But it's interesting what people say when they actually look into the evidence, which most people haven't. I think of two guys I know over the last year who have done just that. And and what they said to me was very striking. So one of them said, before I looked into Christianity, I assumed that reason was on the side of atheism. But now that I've looked more closely at both, I find that there are stronger reasons for believing that Christianity is true than atheism. That's what he found on looking into it. Um, Another guy, same experience, and he told me that for him, the words of Herbert Spencer summed it up, and he said this, there is a principle which cannot fail to keep a person in everlasting ignorance, contempt prior to investigation, contempt prior to investigation, and he said, that was me, all of my life, that was me, I'd never looked into it, I'd just been contemptuous of it, but not anymore. Too many people today dismiss the good news without first looking at the evidence. Make sure you're not one of them. But the message of Christmas is good news. The good news that peace, that the peace everyone is looking for is available. It's available. And it comes through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. He alone has the power to give us the peace that we need. And how do we receive it? Well, we receive it by asking God simply for two things. First of all, for forgiveness, for the forgiveness of our sins. Sin is that attitude um, that comes so naturally to all of us of trying to cut God out of things, including cutting him out of our search for peace. And sadly, many people only find out that this doesn't work the hard way. How many people today have looked to a romantic partner to make them complete, only to be disappointed? C.S. Lewis said, God can't give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. The way back to peace is the way back to God and by receiving his forgiveness. Secondly, we need to ask Christ to become Lord of our lives. In that reading we heard earlier, it didn't say just of the increase of, of his peace there will be no end. It said of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. 
The peace we're all looking for only comes when God is in his rightful place in our lives. When, when we try to claim the crown from him, well, again, it just doesn't work. It's like those silly um, Christmas party hats that many of us will be wearing. You know, they're all one size, aren't they? And whenever you've got someone with a acutely small head, it just slips, slips down and sags around their neck. Well, it's like that. God's crown is too big for us because it was never made for us. But when we're prepared to ask him forgiveness and ask for him to take, to take back his rightful place in, his, in our lives, then we're ready to receive the peace that God always wanted us to have. So I hope you have a great Christmas, and so does God. But he knows and he wants us to know that the best possible Christmas hinges on us knowing the peace that he and he alone can give us. So I want to close um, by turning those two requests into a prayer. And if as I've been talking, you've been thinking, yes, that peace is precisely what I've been looking for. And you want to say today to God, yes, yes, I want what you're offering me. Well, why don't you make this your prayer too and say amen at the end? So can I invite everyone um, to, to close their eyes? And for those of us who want to respond in prayer, let's do that. Father in heaven, thank you for sending your son to bring us peace. Forgive us for the ways we try to find peace and happiness apart from you. Thank you for sending a savior that we might have peace again. Peace with you and peace within. And would you bless us and all we know this Christmas and help us to discover just how good the good news is. In Jesus' name.